Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the latest Big Squid production as we return to our science fiction segment, Space Podacy. Join Ben Elwood and me as we dig into Ridley Scott's masterpiece, Alien. Thank you very much for joining me today for the first of two Big Squid podcasts this week. On Thursday, I'll be chatting with Dr. Aditi Paul about her new book, The Current Collegiate Hookup Culture. And it is a really funny and interesting podcast. Dr. Paul lives in New York and her work was really fascinating. And I'm wrapped to have her on the podcast. Uh, that episode will drop on Thursday. A nice little change of pace. Uh, you, you know, a little bit like uh, the Bryden Coverdale episode. Uh, uh, Bryden, who of course is the shark on the chase. Uh, you know, like to mix things up a little bit. And uh, Dr. Paul is fantastic. So that'll drop on Thursday. A quick heads up as well, if you're living in Sydney, I look, I, people are always complaining that I forget to promote when I'm performing live, and I know, I just often forget, to be completely honest. Uh, so, how's this for double your bang for your buck? I'm doing support for Tom Gleason's live hard quiz show at the Enmore Theatre this Saturday, the 2nd of July. So, if you want to see the brilliant Tom Gleason doing the utterly fantastic hard quiz and you want to see a little bit of me at the start, head on down and uh, if you do come along, uh, please hang around and say hello afterwards. That's going to be fun. As you are aware, all of our Patreon subscribers not only have access to extra podcasts, scripts and bonus material, actually put up a whole lot of stuff related to Dogs in Space, which we covered on the Pass the Amel segment last week with Garth Jones. Uh, so a lot of extra things there at the moment, just about that one movie. But uh, not only do you have access to all of that stuff, but you also have an episode dedicated to you. And today's shout-out goes to a name you've probably heard mentioned on this podcast before. It's Craig Egan. Craig and I have been friends since the 90s. The 90s. 
you know what that is? A long time ago. And I am the atheist godfather to his eldest child. So, uh, you know, I hold him uh, uh, awake at night and I explain to him, there is no God, there is only me. And then uh, eventually when he stops crying, uh, he goes to sleep. Uh, anyway, um, when it was time to dedicate an episode to Craig, I thought, what better episode than a story about something menacing, hiding in the shadows, waiting to pounce and rip you apart and lay eggs in you? Is that a secret metaphor between Craig and me about someone? Or is that just me putting something out into the universe for the rest of you to overthink? What a glass onion one! Maybe the answer is in that last reference. Anyway, uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode, Craig. I'm guessing you will listen to this in about three months from now because you are very busy with work and juggling two children who seem to be sick all the time. So... uh, for those of you who live in Adelaide, by the way, Craig runs Adelaide Comedy at the Rhino Room. Uh, you might want to keep an eye out for some upcoming announcements that might be happening there, maybe in September. Maybe. What could that be? I don't know. Enough of the in-jokes, or possible in-jokes. Now it is time to journey into deep space, where the crew of the commercial starship, Nostromo, are awakened early from their cryo-sleep capsules to investigate a distress call from a crashed spaceship. What they discover is that evil exists in all manner of forms, and in space, no one can hear you scream. Strap yourselves in, kids. We're entering the world of Alien. Still with us, Brett? Right. Yeah. Oh, he's dead. Anybody ever tell you you look dead? <laughs> Intercepted the transmission of unknown origin. What kind of a transmission? SOS. Human. Ash, can you see this? I've never seen anything like it. It doesn't look like an SOS. It looks like a warning. Perfect organism. The emergency destruct system is now active. The ship will detonate in T minus 10 seconds. Oh God, it's running right towards you. Just to give you a warning, I've had my flu shot, which means I'm full of a vaccine, which means I'm now full of nanites, which oh is going to control God. my brain and make me become a part of the Knights of Sidonia, and then I'm going to rise up to become the ruler of Australia and declare war on all those countries that I fucking hate. <laughs> like Narnia. We're going to fight Narnia. We're going to nuke it. Either that or 
a little Scott Morrison's about to no more like a Peter Dutton's going to burst out of my chest. Pfft, oh no! Yuck! That would be demonic, right? Oh man, I'd I'd fight it to the end. If I saw Peter Dutton <laughs> bursting out of my chest, I'd hold it by the neck with the last of my strength and go, "We're going together, motherfucker!" He's got a a, a Putin like demonic quality to him. Don't yeah, you yeah, reckon? yeah, yeah. Like I know there's that really famous photo of him lit like Voldemort. Yes. Like where you yeah. know he's all shadowed and everything, yeah. but it's like I, you know, I light anyone like that and they're going to look pretty evil. But yeah. he's got you know real kind of mannequin dead-eyed stare to him. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's every liberal leader gets worse, and so mm. even though I want Scott Morrison out, I just keep thinking, geez, in in five years, is it going to be Voldemort? Like, like, oh, no, it's, ooh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it going to be Darth Vader? Like, what's happening yeah, here? Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's not get <laughs> bogged down in the depressing. Reality of the world. Oh, hang on a sec. Just but fingers crossed. We're recording this uh, two days after the South Australian elections. And if anyone has not seen the speech given by the new Labour leader, look it up. It is the best speech by mm. an Australian politician. Probably, like, it's probably the most inspiring speech I've seen since the... And it's easy to make fun of this man. Mm. But uh, the apology that Kevin Rudd gave back in 2007, that was a yeah, pretty yeah, amazing yeah, 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 yeah. speech. But I, I would say uh, this is even... This is even more powerful because it contains a level of grace that we have not seen in Australian politics or any politics for a long time. So if you would like to feel inspired, check out that speech. We were just saying before the mics got turned on that it does feel like the uh, populace is swinging towards wanting more of that. I think we're all done with the... uh the, the internal bickering yeah. and the career politicians knifing each other for their own aspirations. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's nothing like the worst floods, the worst fires, the eve of World War Three, and a global pandemic to make everyone go, you know what, guys? Like, sort your shit out and lead us. Yeah, like, like, um, yeah, maybe, maybe I'd just like someone to be nice. Yeah. Or, or you know, well, it's not a craven asshole all cra- the time. Like not a not a not a tool. Like not a uh, someone that can control their facial expression and not be smirking as they walk through the ruined floodplains of a just a devastated community. Well, Peter, just control your face, mate. Yeah, it's oh, really mate, easy. Scott control Morrison, your fucking face, you piece of fucking shit. Oh. Uh, like just those craven, uh, you know. Uh, photo shoots trying to prove I'm just a bloke like everybody else. Awful. It's like, but you, but you're you, you might be a bloke like some blokes, and I reckon those blokes are cunts. Awful cunts. Awful. Uh, Peter Malinowskis, uh, who was the new South Australian premier, uh, uh, when the moment that he really won me over was when he called for everyone to have uh, empathy for uh, not only the Liberal Party. He said the Liberal Party were important mm, because. Mm. You know, they have different ideals, but they're important to democracy and to have... uh, He had a lot of empathy and he wanted everyone to have empathy for the politicians and their families that had lost jobs. And it's like... That's great. Nice. Like, by the way, insane that that made me teary because that should just be a natural thing, but but it was a nice thing. Dude, I've been watching The Wire... And it was made in 2003, and I'm getting all weepy and reminiscent for post-9-11 terror alerts. You know oh, yeah, I, mean? I know. I know. Remember like, the good oh, old remember, days? Oh, remember when it was just flip phones, and it wasn't just this constant assault on your psyche every fucking nanosecond? Remember the good old days when you'd be on a plane, and it would just hit a little bit of turbulence, and you'd think, did someone just blow up the back <laughs> of the plane? At least, it was a, at least the, the threat was one direction. 
Yes. You know, it was coming at you from one angle. It wasn't yeah. this, you know, omnidirectional nightmare yeah. panopticon. Fires, plagues, war. Yeah. Yeah, there's some religious zealots out there just jerking off every day, just going, oh, this is what I've been waiting totally. for. Oh, excuse I. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Can the I have outside, another? The nut outside my train station looks very <laughs> chuffed with himself these days. Yeah. Very vindicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I told you. Yeah, uh, uh, the end is even nigher. Uh, this is a podcast about the movie Alien. And uh, mm. when did you first see this film? Oh, I had a great first experience with this. I uh, I didn't see it until I was about 19 years old. Right. And <laughs> I watched it in broad daylight on a laptop and halfway through I had to slam the lid shut because I was going to vomit from terror. Oh, I was yeah. so afraid. Yeah. And it was like the most terrible conditions to watch a scary movie in. Yeah. And even still, I felt like I was going to barf. I was just... Out of my mind with fear. Was it the uh, was it the birth scene or was it? No, before no, that? no. It was here, kitty, kitty, oh, kitty. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Okay, here, right. kitty, kitty. Well, we... for seven fucking minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get to that scene. I, I want to discuss that properly with you. So, uh, Mum saw it at the cinema. Well, I was way too young to see it. Yeah. And uh, Mum saw it at the cinema and came home. Yeah. And I forget. I think she may have saw it, seen it with a, a good friend of hers. And they were both like, um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. and and the way they discussed. It because they obviously like I was young, you know, so they didn't want me to know too much. Yeah. So the movie <laughs> had uh, a mythology for me before I even saw it. It's like well, what? as the scary movie, yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah, how yeah. terrifying it was going to be. Yeah. And so I don't, I honestly can't remember how long it was between uh, Mum seeing it at the cinema yeah. and then the age. Yeah. But I first saw it on VHS. Sure. And uh, so I. Built it up pretty, like, uh, I'd built cathedrals to it yeah, in my, yeah, in my uh, mind as to what I was going to see. And then I saw it and I was furious that they had not talked it up enough because <laughs> oh, it was terrible. Like, I was great. so, it was like, holy shit, you said this was really scary, but it's much scarier than that. <laughs> That's great because the opposite happened to me with The Exorcist. Right. The Exorcist was like this ominous thing that hung over. Family didn't like you know they would talk about The Exorcist as mm. this just unbelievably terrifying film, and right. my mum would you know talk it up all the time. And when I finally saw it, I was like, oh, "This isn't scary. This is right. This is just a little girl in funny face makeup going right. fuck me, Satan." Have you rewatched it? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't care for The Exorcist. Oh, really? That's, yeah, that's just, my favorite horror film. Really? Yeah, okay. uh, because I, to me, well, I'm not really a horror fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to me, that film is, like, deliberately so mundane. Mm. That's what makes it really terrifying. Yeah, so, right. especially, like, I even find it quite scary. Like, I did a rewatch last year yeah. and was still like, I found a Ouija board. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's also got my favourite scene of any horror film, which is the um, when the... Uh, priest has been kicked out of the room oh, uh, yeah. and he's downstairs and the mum says is my child gonna die and he he's and he tells her no and then the next scene is him walking up the white stairs so you go oh it's his ascension back to his faith and he is going to his death because he is going to heaven sure, and it's right. like such a powerful scene yeah i think i think it's just one of those ones that like it, it, opposite like i say opposite yeah. to what your uh, reaction to alien was i think yeah. it was in my mind it was like this is going to fuck me up yeah. and also like <laughs> 
my, my most abiding memory of Exorcist is at a giant family do and something came up about Exorcist and my 80-year-old grandfather started miming having sex with a crucifix screaming, fuck me, Jesus, fuck me, Jesus. Wow. And so that is a very indelible image in my mind. That is indelible. <laughs> I didn't even see it and now I've got it stuck in my head. That's amazing. And the whole table, like the whole family, just like losing their minds right. laughing. Yeah. <laughs> so that like, it's, it's one of, it's like, you know, it's like the, um, seeing a Citizen Kane post Simpsons. There's always yes. the kind of the, the, yeah. the, the gel of the Simpsons over yeah. the top of it. <laughs> that was, um, I had Alex J on the podcast recently and I was uh, incredibly impressed that she saw The Godfather for the first time. And mm. you think about how often the Marlon Brando mm. uh, Corleone has mm. been mimicked and she still loved it, you know. Right. And I thought that might have, once again, filtered into too many parodies yeah, yeah, yeah. for it to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway. Postmodern nightmare. Yeah. Uh, top four responses. This is our segment, Google Me Chuck. Top four responses when you Google Alien. How scary is Alien? Uh, why is Alien an 18? And I was like... Out of 20? Out of 22? No, what it means is um, the science fiction movie Alien was banned for under-18s because the monster was thought to be too sexy and presented (laughs) a perverse view of reproduction. Archival material reveals. When it was released in 1979, I was seven, hence why I had not seen it, the film was given an X certificate in line with other horror films of the time. So, yeah. but, so we will discuss this more as well. There's a lot of, a lot of sexual imagery and the sexual imagery, etc. Yeah. Uh, the other questions being, why is Alien so good? Watch it, just watch it, mate. <sighs> and what is the original Alien? Alien. <laughs> anyway, uh, segment first context. These are some of the sci-fi movies that came out before and after. 1975, Rollerball. Oh, yeah. 1976, The Man Who Fell to Earth with Dad. Um, they're doing a remake, uh, or not a remake, they're doing a sequel uh, TV series with Chewie Telegia 4 in it, but uh, they've got Bill Nye playing the Bowie character. And I thought, oh, that's... Oh, um, really? Yeah, that was, I watched the first five minutes of it, and I went, oh, that... I've never seen this film. Oh, haven't you? No. Ah, maybe we... Put it on the list. Yeah, put it on the list. I'll be curious to know what you think. It's a... I'm almost terrified to, what if I don't like it? And I feel like, like we'll you're going to... just gonna, stop being I, friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just, just make it simple. Probably excommunicated. Oh yeah, don't worry about that. It'll be fine. And any listeners, like, if you want to write to me that you didn't like it, well, just you know, be prepared to be blocked. Why are you having a go at my dad? Nineteen seventy-seven, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Are you ever going to watch For All Mankind on Apple TV? Can I give away a spoiler? Sure. Because, uh, so For All Mankind is an alternate history where Russia gets to the moon before America and then the cascading events that occur from that, which is great. So, uh, by the 80s, they've got bases on the moon Uh uh where, you know, because everything's just been ramped up and now it's become a political Mm -mm. manoeuvre. You know, Russia wants to have, you know, their technology up there and America wants to have their technology up there. So, it's quite quite fascinating. But because of the change in... um, uh, because of the change in history, yeah. uh, Close Encounters wins all the Academy Awards. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of those tasty little world-building treats right. that you go, that's great. Yeah. Uh, 1978, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Great. Fuck. Fucking love that movie. Yeah, maybe we should do that as well. That's, a, sca- that's, that's a, a scary, scary movie. Film. Yeah. Even like, even, uh, see all the hairs yeah, just yeah, stood yeah, up on my arm just thinking about the ending. Yeah. Uh, 1980, Altered States and 1981, Outland. Oh, uh, States. This movie, uh, the segment, The Year That Was, these are some of the sci-fi movies that came out in 1979. The Black Hole, 
the Disney movie, mm. The Black Hole. I remember loving that as a kid. I've never seen this. It, it, it's it's where my love of black holes started. <laughs> Not <Okay>. a euphemism. <laughs> I could tell by your giggle where you went. I wasn't going to say it, but you giggled and I thought, well... Why not say my favourite line? <laughs> but um, I've never gone back to it because I just no, know no, it's yeah, going to be yeah. really disappointing. Yeah. But as a kid, loved it. Great. Uh, Mad Max. Yeah. Meteor. Never seen it. I'm uh, assuming that's one of those like, you know, big disaster like, movies. Yeah. Yes, yep. yes, yes. Uh, Moonraker. Oh, yeah. And Moonraker's Star- the Bond movie, right? Yep. yep. And Star Trek The Motion Picture. So Never that, seen it. So that is a... Um, so you can see Alien really comes along and it's like, this Lovecraftian sci-fi yeah, yeah, film. Yeah. <laughs> Similar to what The Thing must have done uh, yeah. when it came out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but luckily for Alien, it wasn't going up against, what, E.T.? E. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so before we start really uh, digging into the film... Mm. Uh, how many of the Alien movies have you seen? And where does... Like, I'm not asking you to rank all of them. Oh, but this is my favourite. Oh, this is my favourite. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, no, I've seen I've seen the original four. Actually, I've seen them all because I've seen Prometheus. Yeah. But I feel like that's a separate thing. Um, I When I was growing up, it was all about aliens. Everyone loved aliens the most. Yes. And I get it. You know, roided up action movie, and in terms of a sequel, I think it's genius for going in a completely different direction. It's a smart move, very smart. Move. You, you've heard the James Cameron story? Well, no, when prob- he's pitching it to the no. to the people in charge, no. and he just on a chalkboard writes "alien" and then puts an S on the end and puts a dollar sign through it, <laughs> <laughs> and you go, "Oh man, like That's that great. is." You know, sometimes the dick swing. Is actually impressive. Yeah, yeah. man. <laughs> James Cameron's got the right to dick swing, I think. <laughs> That's a great one. The guy's been to the bottom of the Mariana Trench. He's yeah. pretty cool. Um, but for me, I always preferred the slow burn yes. horror yes. of Alien. And I, yep. I, I appreciate the imagery more. Yep. Um, yeah. I, I just think in terms of this kind of movie along with The Thing and a couple of others that we've discussed, it's pretty perfect. Yeah. And like I say, there's there's only other... I think I can only think of like two or three other movies that have made me want to throw up because I'm so afraid. Yeah. Like I say, I watched it in the middle of the day on a shitty laptop screen yeah. and it was too much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Feels like we should be making a Shape of Water joke about things that make you throw up. But um, yeah, this is my favourite because it doesn't have too much exposition mm. and we don't really understand... What's going on? Yeah. There's everything from the warning being misinterpreted to the company's secret mission to the space pilot and his ship to the alien itself. There's a lot going on, mm-hmm. and not a lot's explained. And yeah, that's great. Is fantastic. Well, uh, you're put you're put in the position of one of the crew members. Yeah, utter confusion. Mm. And again, like like the thing, I'll probably, I feel like that's going to be a theme coming back to the thing. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're, it's one of those great films where you can't help but think, who would I be? Yeah. How would I be reacting in this yeah. in this situation? Well, we'll save that for the um, oh, I know who I'd segment. Be. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> oh, just while I think of it, my my mum had the best day of anyone this year. She voted Labor on Saturday and yeah. then went straight from voting yeah. to see the Batman. Hey. Loved it. Hey. Loved it. I loved it too, man. Yeah. I went and saw it again. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's, I, I reckon it's better on the second watch. I loved it. Yeah. Oh, it so Patterson's good. her Batman. Yeah. I think Patterson's my Batman too. Yeah. I can understand that. Yeah. 
Um, he's great. He's, I love him so much. Uh, I've been watching interviews with him. He just seems yeah so fucking cool. Yeah, he seems so like. <laughs> You can't tell if he's being serious or not. There's some interview yeah. he did where they're like, oh, how did you get in the dark mood of um, of Batman? And he's like, oh, you know, in between takes, I'd go to my trailer and play Sonic the Hedgehog 2 and I'd play as Knuckles, the dark the dark hedgehog. And that would really get me into the mindset of, yeah. you know, the brooding. It's like, yeah. he thinks, like, I think maybe you could be being serious, yeah. but you also could just be trolling everyone. Because yeah. there's interviews he's done where he's just made shit up completely. yeah. yeah. And it's turned out in the you know after the fact to be false, and he's gone. Oh, yeah, I just said that to make the interview interesting. He's funny. He, you know what he is? He's a weirdo freak character actor in the body of a hot guy. Yeah, he's like this generation. <laughs> he's so great. He, uh, uh, I rewatched uh, Thelma and Louise for the first time in decades, yeah. and then watching young Brad Pitt turn up in that, like in his first yeah, yeah, role, yeah, yeah, and you're yeah, going, yeah. like, I, like I know, <laughs> like he turns up, and you go, what the fuck is this? Yeah. But the way he acts in that film is not like yeah. when you, especially when you look at everyone else who was up for that role. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's that same thing. You've got a slightly left of centre approach yeah, to you're things. Bent, mate. And, and Patterson's, what I like is Patterson's is through that English prism as well, which yeah, makes him yeah, even yeah. slightly stranger. Yeah, and just the uh, and the and the and the the integrity to do these just real low budget. You yeah, know, scrappy movies. Yeah, there was that run of the Rover. Yeah, Good Time. Yeah, The Lighthouse. Oh, I just and so you wouldn't great. be surprised if after Tenet and the Batman, he goes back to. Doing I think he will. A whole lot of movies that all add up to ten bucks. Yeah, to make. Uh, all right, so this film has a languid start, and the dialogue is fascinating upon rewatch because it is really uninspiring. Mm. Like it's it is so normal. Don't you just wish more films took their time to ground the fantastic in scenes like this? Hmm. That's that's why it is scary. Yeah. And that's why, you know, a lot of the later, not just in this franchise, but a lot of reboots and everything, you know, <sighs> so many movies open with the blowing their load scene. Yeah, you know the 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 firing ten thousand pixels into your face, and by yeah. the time the first five minutes is over, you're spent. Yeah, you know I always prefer to be drawn in. <laughs> Sorry, I've, I I don't know why, but it just took me a second to thoroughly appreciate that imagery. I feel like I need a tissue. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, uh, and 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 I think it's that thing also with the with with the dialogue being as mundane as it is. You truly believe these are just you know, blue-collar workers. Yeah. You really believe it. Yeah. And so by the time they're in this extraordinary situation, the, the nausea comes from that they are not... Again, similar to the thing, they're not equipped for this. Oh, they are not equipped. You know, and I think that's what the different... That, I think that's why I love this more than Aliens because, well, in Aliens, they're commandos. Yeah. They've got machine guns, they've got grenades. They're at least, yeah. you know... Like, they're not, they're, they're not equipped to deal with it, but yes. they are equipped to deal with something. But sure. these guys are... No, they don't even have fucking weapons. Like, like... <laughs> Like they just want some extra coin for all the work they've been I doing. I mean, Tom Skerritt. Tom Skerritt. What's yeah. it, he's going down into the into the um, what's it called? Oh, the vents. The vents with yeah. the little pilot light that keeps malfunctioning. I mean, no, they're not doing? equipped for this. Yeah. Uh, I was about to say. Uh, I wrote down here as a note. They might be in a ship about to fight an alien. But these dudes could just be workers at a mine in the middle of the Australian outback. 100%. The way they talk, and yeah. it, it, it's so. And also. What's fantastic about this slow start is that 
any presumption you had, mm. like hard now because of all the sequels, but going into this movie blind, you would just subconsciously figure, well, Tom Skerritt will get to the end mm-hmm. or John Hurt will get to the mm-hmm. end. And that opening, like you have no idea it's going to be Ripley. No. No idea. No. Like, like now, once again, now it would be, um, you know, Ripley would be front and centre in all the advertising. It's it's the, um, you know, it's the one thing about, sorry about getting back to the Batman again, but how 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 much better would the film have been? Mm. And this is, this is not an actual comment on the film, mm. but if they'd done a Kevin Spacey with Paul Dano and when you, when you well, yeah, finally yeah, sure. saw, oh God, it's just this kind of weak chinned dude who's yeah, the Riddler. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, but you know, like if Seven, like if I had editing skills, I would re-edit Seven to be a trailer now and it would be, it would open on Kevin Spacey walking in with his hands bleeding going, yeah, and you go, I guess he must be the killer. Um, but yeah, and also the other thing that I love about the start is, man, is this like one of the ugliest spaceships you've ever seen in a movie? Yeah. Like what an, like it's awful. Well, it's a, but it's like an oil rig. Yeah, yeah that's it's all it is. It's an oil rig in but, space. But that's what I love about yeah, it. Yeah, it, yeah. it. Like it looks practical. Yeah. But it's, it's that's it, it takes the idea of the Star Wars junkyard aesthetic and really <sighs> digs their hands into it. Well, you know, I mean, I think, I, you know, because like, Look, I think Ridley Scott is a good yeoman director. Yeah. He's by no means my favourite director. Wouldn't even make my top 20, I don't think. Yeah. And I don't think that he would be as revered as he is were it not for the double whammy of Alien and Blade Runner. Just the Two as- incredibly important movies in my absolutely film going and the, career. But the and the, career. the aesthetics <laughs> career. Yeah. The aesthetic the aesthetic of those two films is just so iconic yeah. and so tactile and give you such an idea of a world that exists far beyond the confines of the of the film that you're watching. Yeah. Um yeah be, I, I, it would be interesting to see if he even had the the, the prolific career that he had. Yeah, had he not made these two films. Yeah, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a real. Uh, I'm here. Like yeah. even though even though Blade Runner failed at the box office, it is mm. the the world building of that. Yeah, it, you know, really gives him that uh, that uh, cult status. And you know, once again, we'll talk about this more throughout as we get to each bit. But the sexual imagery is right there from the start you know once again the the opening is so peaceful the sleeping hatches open and it's like that kind of classic vagina imagery of a mm-hmm. lotus flower yeah. blooming you yeah. know and then every everyone's kind of yeah like they don't wake up they're kind of born yeah you know uh like even john hurt doing his oh my hands you yeah, know it's yeah, like yeah, he's yeah, like, i've yeah, got yeah. thumbs <laughs> yeah yeah very and everything's very pink and yeah and the and the hearing of the online computer it's mother mm-hmm. which is reassuring mm-hmm. you know and then like some mothers <laughs> <laughs> But uh, once again, that that subtle opening—it's just so peaceful. Yeah. And uh, he, even rewatching it this time, I was a bit like, "Oh, this is quite nice, actually." <laughs> <laughs> oh, hang on a sec! Everything's going to turn bad. Uh, all right, let's get to the meat and the potatoes of the film. They receive a message that is interpreted as an SOS, so everyone on the ship decides to go down to check it out. Crazy idea! Mm. Shouldn't one person stay behind just to? 
blow that ship out of the air if it's trying to get back onto the onto the main ship. Like they all when they down. land on the planet to <laughs> yeah. go to sea. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. That, that says, but that speaks to me about what what you were saying earlier about they're just not equipped. Like they just there's they're, they're just not quite that logical about what they should be doing. No, and they're, 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 I can't remember the character's name. The um the other female character. Oh yeah, sorry, um, I'm drawing a blank. I'll look it up. She seems to be the only one reacting with any kind of rationality as to realizing that they are out of their depth. Like when they arrive at that Lambert. Weird, Lambert. When yep. when they arrive at that weird donut ship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, spoiler alert, she's the character that I relate to. It, oh. it, you know, that real like we, we uh, don't let's get out of here. Well, this I, isn't good. I, I think it's I think it's both women, actually, because Ripley's the only one who's like no, this is how we deal with things, and it's everyone yeah. going. So Lambert's kind of the emotional, yeah, mm-hmm. and Ripley is the intellectual. Yeah, but I mean, they, they, they seem to be the only two, you know, uh, the only two that aren't aren't defaulting into the machismo male, you yeah, know, stereotypical male kind of, you know, oh yeah, yeah no, nah, like grand explorer, let's go and check it out. I mean, yeah. the, the move that John Hurt makes going down into those vessels is ridiculous. What are you doing? You're in the middle of a fucking... You've literally just been exposed to the idea that aliens are real. Yeah. You're on some bizarre ship that's clearly technologically far beyond anything you can comprehend. And there's organic matter that seems to be alive and you're sticking your face into it? You know, absolutely. I reckon... What are you doing? Look, I would have gone for the Wanda. I would have gone into the ship. I would have seen (sighs) the space jockey. And after I cleaned the shit out of my spacesuit, I... Well, I, I just would have left the other two. Oh. I would have just wandered off. When I was a teenager, there was this house about a block from our school, and we called it Crud House. It was this, like, monster house. Terrifying. Yep. You know, it was probably built in the 1940s, so it had all... It, it, it literally looked like a stereotypical haunted house, and all around it were piles of perfectly sorted junk. So there was... Oh, yeah. It was yeah. terrifying. So yeah. there was, like, a pile of single A batteries and then there were stacks of newspapers yes. and then there was the pile of dog food cans so yes. it was clearly a hoarder that was like cataloging all of their junk yeah and in the center of the kitchen and we only knew this from peeking through the windows uh and at the center of the kitchen there was this giant 1950s green refrigerator and the and the talk of the school was that there was a head in the refrigerator amazing <laughs> Amazing. And one, and one afternoon, me and three friends decided we're going to go into Crud House and poke around. And I got about four steps in before every molecule of blood turned Hang cold. On. So, sorry. So, th- did you like? Where was the person who lived there? There was no person that lived there. That's what that that's what freaked us out. It was like, is there a person that lives there? Is there not a? We never saw a person that lived there. The house seemed abandoned. And the door was just open. The door, the door was unlocked. Oh, you know, no. and there was always this temptation to go yeah. in whenever we were scoping yeah, it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so we'd see, and then it was like, and we'd like all run away. Yeah. Uh, and then one afternoon, we decided we're going in, and you know, it was that. It was like my blood turned cold, and I turned around and ran for my life. Yeah. And that was, a, you know, it was a silly house that, you know, nah. had been abandoned, full nah. of junk. But it was like, you know, is it a ghost? Is, yeah. is there a nah. demon in there? I know exactly. What the fuck? I know exactly what would have happened. I would be sitting here now just scrolling through Blah. Twitter and they would say, uh, how old were you? 
Oh, like 14. Oh, 13. yeah. Uh, mystery solved. Uh, 14-year-old Ben Elwood disappeared on this day and we found him <laughs> in the fridge. In the fridge. <laughs> Sliced and diced. Well, my friend, my friend's big mission was to get into the kitchen, past all the piles of junk and right. open the fridge to prove whether or not there was a head in there or not. But, you know, it was like... Did my, he get in? He got in and opened the fridge. Of course, there was no head in there. What was in there? <laughs> no, I, just, I don't know. Probably cans. Right. I don't remember. But there was definitely no head. Uh, but, Boom. you know, I still, I still remember that that surge of fear like it was you know yesterday yeah it was so overwhelming and all-encompassing and and just that involuntary action of turning around and running for my life uh and so watching this you know where it's like okay you're on a fucking planet you've, yeah you need, you oh, you're need, on a moon you're on a moon yeah the weather's terrible you, yeah you know it's it's debatable whether you're even going to lift off yeah now you found a spaceship you didn't even know five minutes ago that aliens are real but you found some bizarre craft you're in the craft yeah, now you've seen the fossilized body of a space jockey. Yeah. Now you've fallen into a pit, but the whole time you never question what he's his his motivation. Like there's that moment in Prometheus, which is analogous, where the guy is I think it's a, some kind of serpent. Yep. Uh, and he's like, oh. going, and yeah. I remember that at the time, everyone laughing, going, what an idiot. Yeah. Like that would never happen. He's a biologist. right? Yeah. And I, I do remember in that moment going, that's stupid. In this version, you don't, for some reason, there's a path of logic to his character and to the way it's all unfolding. Yeah. That when he does make that, bizarre move of leaning over into an egg that's just opened up. Well, you know, you buy it. Well, you know, the mistake in Prometheus is that guy shown to be scared before. Yeah. And then he sees the serpent yes. and he says, oh, this is beautiful. And that's it's like, right. that, like, that is illogical. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Whereas this guy is just like, oh, what's going this on here? Cool. Oh, this is weird. Oh, look at this. Oh, jeez. Yeah, God, yeah, it looks yeah. like the ribs are blown out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, no, yeah. I've fallen down. Oops, okay, no, I'm all good. Oh, these yeah, yeah. kind of look like eggs. Looks like something's moving in the egg. <laughs> no, no, it's forever. No, no, it's forever. Uh, so I had here, the first time we see the crashed spaceship is one of the oh my yeah. moments in cinema. Yeah. And uh, once again, had kind of been uh, briefly described to me by mum, but still... Did not mm-hmm. land the way it did until I saw mm-hmm. it, and it was such a bizarre design. It's such a bizarre design, right? And that's yeah. part of what really sticks with you. And back when you only had the opportunity to see a film once, you know, yeah. like once upon a time, you only got to see a film once, and hopefully, you got to see it again. That scene had sparked my imagination to such an extent I remembered it incorrectly. I remembered that there, and I think maybe because I'd seen some of Geiger's artwork in other places as well, I remembered that there were pyramids nearby and uh, and, and hieroglyphics and things like that. But that that was all... um, that was all from seeing it at a young age on video and just the the imagination (laughs) just filling in some gaps there. The design is... That's and the great. way it's kind of, you know, holding up, but, you know, you, you feel like it's mm. uh, atrophied and, you know, like well, like you could just go, hey, what's this little bit? And, <laughs> and yeah. it would just fall apart. Well, uh, also, I think, I think, you know, even though you're not, you don't have an engineer's mind, you look at something like a flying saucer and it kind of looks like a pie tin or a frisbee or something yep. like that. So you yep. can kind of extrapolate out how that could fly. You look at this weird donut. With rounded edges, and it's yep. like, how the fuck does that thing even get into the air? Yeah, yeah, it, it doesn't. It, there's an uncanny valley-ness to the whole thing that yeah, that is not is is very unsettling. And the inside 
looks it's so wet. Organic. Oh. It looks organic. Oh. Yeah. Uh so uh, the the next bit I had here was the space jockey was also a big part of why I loved the film. Uh it had two massive impacts on me. Uh one when I was young and one when I was much older. Uh it was uh one of the first instances in a film that I became obsessed and loved theorizing about it mm. like the mm. the idea of what the space jockey was so that when i was younger that was like that that just <laughs> sat in my head for decades because i couldn't even work out like what was going on with the face yeah like to, to like to me it was some kind of elephant yeah. kind of being yeah and then i was like is that a gun like, is that a gun thing that it's sitting in? Or was that the thing that it was sending out? Like, I just didn't know. And yeah, I yeah, loved, yeah, yeah, yeah. loved theorizing about it. And then, um, oh, and the size and the shape and blah, blah, blah. Everything about it. Yeah. And then it had a massive impact on me decades later mm. when they explained in Prometheus what it was. I was just a bit bummed out. Yeah, of course, because the explanation always is terrible. And that was, And that's where it influenced me, where it's like, you know... Like Not everything needs an answer. <laughs> uh, so I was uh, talking to someone at work, a uh, uh, young uh, cinephile. She loves films. Yeah. She's great. Uh, and uh, a lot of the movies she loves, you know, you really understand. And she was, uh, it was interesting. She said that she uh, can't get into David Lynch films, can't get into Pedro Almodovar films. And mm. it, was, it was really telling, uh, it, which is not incorrect or correct, but it was just telling because it's like, oh, you kind of like your films to tell you what they are. Ah, and yes. I think we like films that mm. leave some room for us to have a think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. And, and that uh, changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That changes with age. Yeah, I think time. so too. Yeah, yeah, I think maybe when you're younger, you do kind of want, yeah. Some answers. It, it was. It's. It's one of the reasons why I was convinced. Like when the trailer for Prometheus came out, there was just a little shot in the trailer. One of the yeah. great trailers where you, you see the um, the helmet taking form, yeah, yeah, and yeah. so that sparked the yeah. the very young part of me. Yeah. And then you saw the film, and you were like, Ah, this was. As everyone knows, I watch it once every 18 months, two years to see if it's improved. And it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> I keep giving it crap. But it's, I mean, I think that's a trend, you know, because there was that real trend in that, in that era of film, the franchise reboots and all the rest, where it was suddenly answering questions, you know, that no one, that either no one asked or that the answer could never match how great your imagination of the, well, of the thing was. Well, then also the weird thing was it didn't quite match up with Alien. So it was like, well, yeah. why did you answer questions that don't quite... Uh, like, it's like someone said, uh, tell me, oh, so you love sport. Who's your favourite basketball team? And you go, oh, well, you know, I just um, really, really love uh, Steph Curry. Mm. And you go, right, so, sorry, which team do you love? Oh, the Lakers. So my question was the Lakers. So it was, you know, so the question was, what what happened to that space jockey? Oh, we'll show you what the space jockey is, and it's like, well, that's not the space jockey. That's some other guy who from the same race. Like it doesn't. Oh, is it? Yeah, I don't remember that much about. Yeah, it doesn't. Okay, it it, doesn't actually answer. That's not. That's not the ship. Oh, do you know what I mean? So that's part of the annoyance of Prometheus is that you kind of, like, if you're going to do it, yeah, yeah, do it, but instead. Yeah, right. I thought it was the same thing. No, I mean, I, no. I've seen the movie once. Yeah, yeah but right. that's 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 part of the uh-huh, that's uh-huh. part of the frustration. Yeah. It's like not only did you 
kind of answer the question, but you didn't really answer it, the, the proper question, which is, anyway. What about just new mysteries? What about new mysteries? You know what? <laughs> make, make, make that movie... Remake that for like if they'd made that for, if that was a new Ridley Scott movie yeah. that had no connection, like you take all the alien part out of it and uh, turn it into something else, uh, probably stands on its own two feet. Yeah, but it's the it's the trying to here's an idea, oh great idea, and now we're going to put alien in there. Yeah, 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 gonna, yeah, yeah. You know, and 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 the extra sin of it is that it for anyone who's younger who has the misfortune of seeing Prometheus first, their viewing of Alien is then completely perverted. Yeah. You know, it's it's like the way uh, Peter Jackson, after he released the Hobbit movies, you know, because of some stupid marketing scheme, decided that, oh no, there was always meant to be six movies and you should always watch the Hobbit movies before you watch Lord... No! Don't oh, do that. Right. Don't do that. Right. That'll fuck Lord of the Rings up so badly for... You don't fucking right. need... All these awful callbacks to the to the Lord of the Rings movies that are wedged into the Hobbit to make oh, it right. seem like they were always interconnected when they're not. Right. It's hideous. Right. But you know, like I know so many kids that have, you know, oh yeah, I, I prefer the Hobbit because I saw it first and Lord of the Rings just seemed to be a follow up to the Hobbit. Oh, no. oh no, what are you doing? What are you doing? That's disappointing. Mm. It's so funny, like I we've talked about this before, but I saw Lord of the Rings at the cinema and really enjoyed it. Yes. And then I saw the first trailer for The Hobbit and I was like, I'm good. Don't ever. I'm really good. Don't ever. Unless you want to watch it like Zack Snyder's Justice League as like a kind of hilarious hate watch. Uh, I would I would not recommend this. This is probably the weirdest thing that I'll ever say about Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yeah, but that was only four hours. <laughs> <laughs> did it was I t- only one third of the length of the Hobbit trilogy. So did I tell you that I went to the doctor mm. and uh, so I've been having trouble with high sugar levels when, yes. and uh, we, we just haven't been able to quite work it out. Anyway, uh, to make a long story short, we've gotten on top of it and really, really nailed it, really, really put it in a good place and it's best news I've had in ages. Uh, and then, um, and then, but because of it, I, I seem to just have this excess energy so I'm not really sleeping very well. I'm not tired, but it'd be nice to be able to get six hours, six yeah. and a half hours. So anyway, uh, my doctor said, uh, just go to, to the canvas and get some melatonin. And I walked in and I asked to buy some melatonin and the woman behind the counter said, how old are you? And I said, I'm 49. She said, oh, you're too young for this. And I went, don't say another word. Do not say another word because this might be the last time in the history of my life that I hear the magical words, you're too young. <laughs> And she kept trying to talk to me. I said, no, 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 don't ruin this moment. And the chemist behind it was laughing really hard. They were both laughing because they could see me going, I'll be fine. No, 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 no. Don't need a prescription. I'll be good. Uh, so this, I don't know about you, but the scene with the eggs, I feel like you have already answered this question, uh, still packs a wallop after Ugh. all these years. And like it's kind of been seen a lot now and it still freaks me out. And here's a little hammo fact. While I was writing this question for you and thinking of that scene, I shivered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's visceral. Again, it's the wetness. And it's the and it's the uh it's the Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The visceral quality of an actual physical thing. Yeah. And not a CG blah. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you see that, I mean, later on when he's lying there and you see the cord tighten around his, I mean, Ah. it's awful. And the disgusting fingernails on the thing. Like it's, it's really unpleasant. Oh, mate. The, it's the, an unpleasant creature. The, the, the tightening of the coil makes it really, like, makes that makes it evil. Like, the other thing oh, is yeah. just like, but this is like, no, nah, mate, this is yeah, fucking yeah, yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, no, it's, it's malevolent. Oh. And, 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 there's a, and there's, like, again, like a weird kind of sadomasochistic sense of ownership. Yeah. You know, like the tightening of the yeah. of the um, choke chain. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah, it's like watching a young male comedian do overtime on stage. <laughs> this is mine. Uh, as, the, as the mic cord grips around his fist. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, I'm never getting on. Uh, why did I say I wanted to do this gig? Uh, early sign that Ripley is the only person who should live. She's the only grown up in mm-hmm. wanting to follow protocols. A bit unfair, Lambert should live as well uh, but um, here's a game for you what happens to the story if they do what she says if they if they go into quarantine yeah like if they don't let her come in what's the alternate movie oh the the thing eventually bursts out of his stomach anyway and they get in and they get killed and then they just blast the blast them out into space right mm. while screaming at how horrible and, and high-fiving Ripley about her great oh yeah her great foresight Mate, she <laughs> She she gets she gets all the all the promotions. Yeah. So I can you imagine if that thing had been in a Oh yeah. <laughs> because this is such a great film to engage with and think about. So I came up with uh so in my alternate movie, they this whole part is a prologue. Yeah. So they wait and they watch and they see the alien pop out and then they just fucking kick him out, like just <laughs> leave him there. Uh Spray. Of course, yes. Uh, they they clean they clean up the the bottom of the hatch and everything. They get into the ship. They fly off, and then we cut to seven years later, <laughs> and it is Ian Holm Ash leading a team of scientists and soldiers to go oh, to uh, uh, find more of uh, go and find the eggs. That's big. great, and it's a cross between the first two films. Fantastic. Anyway, Ash is. Oh, man, we'll get into Ash. Yeah. Let, let's look. Sorry, like there's just some other creepy yeah, no, things please. to talk about before we get to how creepy Ash is. Uh, the face hugger is like a giant hand, the way it grips the face. More yeah. sexual imagery once we realise it has pushed something down his throat. Now, something I always forget to talk about is Ash has an idea that there is something down there and deliberately misreads the message as an SOS or... Um, so. I just wanted to see what you thought. Mm. Uh, or the, is the company he is working for already knows about the derelict ship? Or does his plan kick into gear when he realises that they found something? I think that he's aware that they're there to collect some kind of specimen. Right. I mean, 
doesn't he almost doesn't he kind of explicitly come out with that? Yeah, it, once again because there's like there's yeah. this vagueness. So uh, so the thing is that um, Dallas says that he replaced the regular science Ash replaced yeah. the regular science officer Last before. Minute. So that makes yeah. me wonder if someone else picked up on the message and they went, oh, we think there might be something yeah, down yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, no, so, yeah. That's, that's, that's how I interpreted yeah, it. And then he's acting right. hell shifty when they're out on the planet. Yeah. And then, of course, the move to just override Ripley's authority and smash the button and let them yeah. in. Yeah. Uh, no, I think he's I think he's fully... Whether but or not he knows what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't um, think that's... But I think there's also... A, there's a lack of fear because he's a robot. Yeah. A robot. Uh, and two, there's a lack of fear because he's not biological or yeah. at least not you yeah. know a biology that we understand i mean there seems to be some biology there with all that fucking milk that he's drinking oh my god we'll get into that <laughs> as well but uh he um yeah mate like you are uh, yeah, he definitely needs his lactic acid yeah far out what are you doing mate what are you doing just have some yogurt like you don't have to drink all that milk it's disgusting um yeah that's part of the um it's uh like you know that first time you watch it you you're so overwhelmed mm. because it's been so Ah, yeah, at the yeah, beginning, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. you go, fuck, that, what's going on with that alien? And then it's like, oh, what's going on with that ship? And then it's like, oh, my God, that thing's on his face. And then it's like, it's easy to kind of forget. Like, Ash can slip through yeah, the yeah, cracks yeah. of the story. No, and- I, was, I was watching him very closely this time, and there's, yeah. there's, there's little things, you know, like when he's studying a computer screen with some results on it and Ripley comes in and he just very, you know, subtly closes the yeah. screen. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, he's definitely got his agenda bobbling away. Um. Well, uh, hang on, let's jump ahead and we'll talk about Ash now. Yeah. Uh, so when we speak of the movie, it feels like the scene, it, this scene is forgotten about, but it was just as so shocking to me the first time I saw it, which is Ash is an awful character and when you watch the performance closely, as you said, on subsequent repeats, he's the quiet male who appears to acquiesce to everyone around him, mm. but is secretly the worst person on the ship. Uh, so which is more horrifying, the revelation mm. that he's a robot mm. Or when they bring him back online. <laughs> it's like, oh, God, this can't get any worse. <laughs> yeah. oh, that, I mean, the scene where he's pinwheeling around, puking up milk and everything is as horrific as the chest-bursting scene for me. It is I, so awful. I totally agree. And all those disgusting tapioca balls that are yeah. coming out of him. It's yeah. all, yuck. Yeah. Sorry for anyone who might be eating tapioca balls at the moment, but... Uh, Ben is correct. Yeah, it's so, and it's and it's hysterical. It's as hysteri- well. the hysteria. That's like when it starts losing it. Mm. Also, more sexual imagery. Trying to shove a rolled up porn magazine down mm. Ripley's throat, and then when he is, <laughs> yeah, what's a, that move? Oh, it's so. Like surely, like if if your aim is to kill her, surely there's a more efficient way to do it. You well, your robot. What's going on? No, he's just going to shove it down her throat. It's like, very yeah. fucking odd, right? Oh, it's awful. Everything about this movie is yeah awful. <laughs> well, the whole it's a violation. There's yeah. So much Violation. In it, it. It, it is. It, that's what they should have called it. Violation <laughs> uh, of the characters, of your senses, yeah. of your dreams. Yeah. Um, and then I also wrote. And then when he's defeated, he jizzes everywhere. Yeah, it's like, oh my god. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think Ash leans into a trope which is really effective, which is the scariest thing in the universe is something that looks just like us, which mm. gets back to Invasion of the Body Snatchers as Absolutely. well, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, all right, I have a uh, question for you. You're one of the people on the ship mm. and you see that alien on your co-worker's face and then you see that the alien lets it go. Do you sit down to eat with him 
Do you keep him at a distance but are still friendly, or do you find a way to lock him in an airlock at any given point so you can shoot him off into space? See. Oh man, Get I would like fuck I'm, out. Like I know you're John Hurt, but you like I am just not accepting this. No. Yeah. No, I mean I can't I, again I I'm, I'm terrible with all the names. I didn't do what I did with the thing and remember all the names. Uh the, which, which one? The, uh, the, the, the there's the two handymen, Harry Dean Stanton. Yeah, there's Parker, which is uh, Yafit Koto. Okay, yeah, Parker. Parker's the one that and flat Brett. out says, "Put him in fucking cryo." Yes. Let's get him. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. So once- that's the solution. You put him in cryo immediately. Yep. Workers but, of the world unite. It's yeah. the proletariat who just comes up with the practical solution. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, even after the thing comes off his face, yeah, great. I'm glad you're back, but yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, they know that the thing laid something in him, right? Well, they... They, they know something well, got they, shoved down his fucking throat. Well, but their thought is that that's to keep him breathing, to keep him alive. Ah, but, right. but So, I don't think they do know that something's been laid in him because I, I think they do something about again, it. Again, it's that thing of like, it's it's very easy in retrospect to go, well, of course it laid something in him, but pre... <laughs> yeah, but, um, you know, first time you come across something <laughs> yeah, like this, it's like when you're... When you're when you were a kid and you stepped on a spider and then you went, why are there thousands of baby spiders? <laughs> you know, uh, once again, because this movie's so engaging, I came up with another m- movie version idea yeah, of this yeah, film. Yeah. Um, so imagine they l- listen to Yafet Kodo and mm. they put him in uh, suspended animation and then they take him back to earth. And then that movie's a, a scorcher totally. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a great guy, collative, collative learning. He does a lot of great, um, Deep dive videos on YouTube. Right. Uh, and yeah, have you sent him me stuff of his before? No, I've sent you Thomas Flight stuff oh, Thomas before. Flight, yes. But Collative Learning's great. I mean, he's like, he goes to some pretty crazy places great. with his theories. He's got some great thing theories. Uh, and his, um, his pitch for a thing sequel was the thing gets to Earth and gets into the underground. Oh, it gets into the city? No, but it gets into the underground tunnels under the White House. Oh, great, great, great. Yeah, that's insane. I love it. Like, that's that's the sequel to the thing we needed. Yeah. Like, if alien uh, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and high-level government officials. Yeah, great, great. Finishes with the thing on a nuke flying into space. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the inverse of Doctor Strangelove. Yeah. Um, after all the chestburster scenes as well, like, this one... Still holds up, doesn't it? That's horrific. Like it's still horrific because well, he's in agony. He's it's in, awful. It's an and it's awful John Hurt. Death. And it's John Hurt. I love John Hurt. <laughs> he looked all peaceful when he was waking up. Yeah, it's horrific. At least he you gets. Seen, at least he gets a nice meal before he dies. <laughs> You've seen Spaceballs, right? Where he reprises this role. Oh no, I've never seen Spaceballs. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> I just realised that then. Spaceballs was. Easily my favourite movie from about seven to nine. My favourite, favourite movie. I loved it so much. And it was so funny. Is that with Pizza the Hut? Pizza the Hut. Yep. <laughs> and I saw Spaceballs before I ever saw Star Wars, before I ever saw Alien. Oh, great. Before I saw any of these. Um, and John Hurt, spoiler alert for the Spaceballs, but there's a scene where they go to the, a diner. Yeah. And um, John Hurt's at the counter eating and he's, he's playing this character. Yeah. And all of a sudden, like... Aah! Like the thing bursts out of his chest, except this time instead of running away, it dons a little boater hat and a cane and uh, recreates the frog from the uh, Warner Brothers yeah. cartoons. Oh, my baby. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. My He's just like, yeah. It's really funny. So, um, did I tell you that uh, Ross Noble uh, 
got to meet and hang out with Mel Brooks. You told me this. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I might as well. I haven't told yeah, it on I the podcast. No, I? I think so. So he was doing uh, Young Frankenstein as the musical. Mm. And there, there, there was just something... Like the, the show was going well, but there was just something that they weren't quite getting right. So they brought Mel Brooks over. Mm. And so the, the, the two... He told me lots of stories, but the two I'll share was... One is... Uh, apart from just being a, a delightful human being, yeah. Mel would always insist on getting the check and uh, he'd insist <laughs> that every time he'd get the check in front of everyone, he'd look and pretend to have a heart attack and go, oh, <laughs> like, so every time. And so, like, that is, like, it, of course, Mel Brooks has, has commitment to a gag. Like, yeah, do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Like, <laughs> that, that would just entertain me every time I saw it. It's such an old Jewish grandfather joke as yeah, well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, oi! <laughs> But then the second thing was, you know, he'd wear a hat and glasses because he's so he's recognised a lot. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, Ross is mega famous yeah. in the UK. And then uh, one day they were all sitting down and uh, these fans of Ross came up and they were like, oh, we love you, Ross. You're fantastic, Ross. You're, you're the best, Ross. And Ross is like, oh, yeah, thank you. That's so nice. And then Mel Brooks has whipped off his hat and his glasses and said, but what about me? <laughs> <laughs> Just the best. Just the best. I think that's the title of his autobiography. It's all about me. Uh, so good. So good. Uh, the Harry Dean Stanton scene, looking for the alien, taking in the water before being killed. That's, I think, the most terrifying sequence in cinema that I've ever experienced. Yeah. And I, I remember when I first saw it, I became, you know, I was like, and I remember talking to people about this scene going, it's seven minutes of this guy looking for the fucking cat. And you know the whole time that he's going to get killed. Yes. And in the end. And there's no music. No music. And in the end, you're not even scared about the alien coming out anymore. You just want it to be over. Like, yeah. it's not even about, oh, is it going to leap out? It's like, just yeah. leap out. Just fucking kill him. Let's go. Yeah. And I remember on this rewatch, you know, you, you were talking before about misremembering things or the way your imagination you know, uh, extrapolate stuff. And I, uh, this time I was like, I bet it doesn't go for seven minutes. Right. You really, it probably goes for two minutes, but yeah. you know, seven minutes. Yeah. It's seven minutes of this guy just walking here, kitty, kitty, kitty. Oh yeah. Here, kitty. Yeah. Kitty, kitty. <laughs> Yuck. And then by this stage as well, like you, you, uh, once again on your first watch, it's like, <laughs> Oh no, it's, it's massive. Yeah. Like it's like, it's grown really quickly. Yeah. It's and awful. Him looking up. Now, you know, what you just said then is perfect, which is you are so relieved when he's finally. Because it's, it's not even like a blah when it yeah. finally comes and gets him. It just, it, it, hap- it unfolds quite, uh, yeah. you know, almost like dance like. Yeah. You know, it just kind of unfolds and yeah. there it is. Yeah. Uh, that's not the scary part. It's the six and a half minutes before he gets yeah. taken out that is just. That, that was the sequence the first time I watched it where I, I was just like, get. Fuck this movie! Yeah. I feel sick. This is yeah. awful. <laughs> well, let's let, let's talk about all the death scenes. And sure. uh, so, th- so if if you were gonna, so let let's rank them. I know where I, I know I hate rankings, but just as in, I, I mean more. But, but, but under what metric? How, uh, how like the awful? ones that made you feel the most. Oh, sick. And, and then the Tom Skerritt one is just. I mean that that was that was probably the only moment on this rewatch because I know this movie very well. Yeah, that made me audibly yell. Even though I knew exactly, as he's turning, I'm like, I know what happened. And still, yeah. when it happens, it's like, <laughs> fuck, no! <laughs> and again, it's that mounting, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Get out of there! Get oh, out of there! And, uh, you, <laughs> well, the, the, the audio in this film is phenomenal. Even oh. the... 
yeah. noises of the vents being closed is a perfect noise. And I don't know why, but it freaks me out that they don't close. That we never see them close fully. Like yeah. there's always just that little hole there. Yeah, like there's a there's a there's a um, weakness that it can maybe maybe uh, penetrate or just, get through. And and then and and he plays it so well in. You can te- like it's such a great piece of acting because he's not freaking out. But he plays it just enough that you can tell he's caught the fear really fucking badly. Yes. He's very aware that he is stuck in, in a claustrophobic space. He cannot yes. get out. And there's, so, I, I, there's a quality to his acting in that that makes it so much more effective than if he was like, ah, ah. yeah. it's just that wave of fear that goes through him. He's like, this isn't good. I got to get out of here right now. Well, it's funny. You kind of, uh, he his character does a lot of things that make you understand why he's the captain. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even if he does, like, he's he's a good captain. He has mm. compassion for his uh, fellow uh, person that he's looking after. He's the one who goes into like, <laughs> it's an awful scene. <laughs> like, it's hey, awful. you know this thing that's um, uh, that burst out of our friend's chest and is now going around and eating all of the crew. Um, how do you feel about going into that venter with the what did you say the big lighter no, <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, and some fly spray? How do you feel about that? And I'd say why why don't we just like. Why don't we Blood all just shit. kill ourselves now? This is horrible. Oh, I would have just been like, let's get into these... <laughs> get the fuck out of here. Let's get into these ships and get it. Like, yeah, let's leave. It's awful. It's his now. This yeah. That's how I feel when a big spider lives in my apartment. <laughs> well, I'll just pack up and I'll leave. It's yours. You can pay rent. Fuck you. That's what I would have done. Man, um... <laughs> It, going into the ventilation shafts, like, you know what? Let's not rank them. They're all awful. <laughs> there are, those two in particular are yeah. really... But then, but then if you take into the John Hurt death scene, of that's, course, that's yeah. awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the... Um, and then, you know, Lambert. Like, I, I feel well, Lambert, the weird sexual imagery that comes with that. The, weird, oh, the, with the, the way the tail, the tail starts going up between her thigh. It's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What's, what's wrong with you? Oh, my Lord. Is it not enough to just terrify them and eat them? Are you going to violate them as well? Well, it's what's kind of fascinating about this one is by the time we get to aliens, they're more, uh, you know, it's it's like insects. Mm, you know, mm, they're mm. leaping out. But this one has a, in this film, this thing has a curiosity. It has a malevolent sensuality. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a creep. Oh, it's... <laughs> it's <laughs> Like, if one of my female friends said, hey, I've been dating this guy and he's turned into an alien, I'd go, oh, yeah, no, I've seen this. Yeah. I've seen this in the film. Even like, at the end when it's hiding in the little escape pod. Just having a little nap. Just having, like, the way it's all curled up. Yeah. You know, like, I'm spooned with oh, the, with I've the wall. I've just been eating so much. Yuck. I'm just going to have a little nap <laughs> and just look at you. And then the sp- when the steam sprayed on, it's like, hey. Yeah, yeah. Hey. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I'm having a little nap. <laughs> it's an awful thing. My God, all of the stuff with the, uh, um, you, you know, when you, you think, how much more can I love Ripley? And then it's like, oh no, she's, she's going to save the cat. Yeah. Yep. You go, great. You know, yep. uh, all of that scene of setting up the, once again, the chunkiness of setting yes. up the destruction, brrr, the cylinders coming out. I've forgotten out. about that. Yeah. The, uh, the, uh, no, turn it off. Too late. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now I've got, you know, that, that um, you know, Mad Maxing having to double back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. But, and again, the saving the cat, you know, that's, that, that's a, 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 such, a, such a human thing. Yes. You know, if we've yep. seen anything from these Lismore floods. Yeah. 
you know, that seemed to be people, they didn't give a fuck about anything but the animals. Yeah. Yeah. No one saved even photo albums. It was the dog, the cat, the chickens. You know, I heard a story about a a Ukrainian woman who was, she, you know, she just realized what was going on and Mm. closed up her apartment and was leaving and then went, I'm never coming back here and went back up, got her cats Mm. and then left. You know, it is, it is uh, phenomenal. Not to, you know, Tribute uh, something terrible in the real world to this, but it, it is a, a very human. Yeah, no, it's just it's a, it's a character yeah. trait that's depicted in the movie that resonates because yeah. it's, it's true of humanity. Um, is, so, like you know, the ending is the ending, and it's, so it's like you know, I, I don't think there's necessarily uh, we, we don't need to unpack the you know setting up the charges mm. and all of that kind of stuff. But what I thought we could uh, before we get to the last of our segments. Um, I thought, how do you read the alien as a metaphor? And I thought, you know, because you can look at it in a few ways. And I'm, I'll, I thought I'll share my reading with you, which is definitively ha- uh, influenced by the times we live in. Mm. But to m- and the reason I'm bringing it up is because I feel like you can't. We just kind of touched on it. But the alien is the ultimate aggressive male, and that is why <laughs> it is perfect that Ripley is the one that can beat it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, look, because uh, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's the part where Ash is kind of talking about it just as the perfect organism. Yeah. Uh, and, and oh, the, yeah, that's and that's creepy. Yeah, because he seems turned on by it. Yeah, which is covered strange for is, a robot. It covered covered it in is. sperm. It's, it's, it's <laughs> tapioca balls. <laughs> tapioca juice. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to bet on that in the Melbourne Cup. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a. And I think there is something to that, that it is just an organism. But, look, maybe there's a project... But I don't think so, because I think that it's very... it's. I think it's quite explicit in the way it moves and the way it stalks and the way it has a malevolence to it that goes beyond just an animal trying yeah. to survive or an yeah. animal trying to feed. Well, that's what we were saying. There does seem the, to be yeah. a malevolence yeah. to it. Yeah. And and, and, uh, and again, that's that kind of sexual malevolence. Like there's, it, it's not like a, oh, there's a panther loose in the zoo and it's right. pouncing on people and tearing yeah. them apart. Yeah. This is something very evil. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not a rabid dog sticking its tail yeah. between a woman's legs to go hello. Yeah, like yeah. it's <laughs> it re- yeah. It, there's, there's a relishing that it takes. Yeah, from uh, what it's doing. Yeah, uh, and we I think we both watched the theatrical cut. But, yes. Um. The, the, there's that really famous scene in the director's cut where Ripley goes down into the. Have you ever seen the director's cut? Tell me what the scene is. Well, she goes into the bottom of the ship. And By the she way, finds... I love that we never talk about it, but we always default to the theatrical of course, cut. Always. Yeah. Uh, well, not always, but on this... Mostly. Uh, yeah. Uh, in the director's cut, there's a sequence where she goes, uh, I think, I don't know, some room of the ship, and she finds all of the people that the aliens... Oh, yes, and yes, And they're all, yes. you know, basically in some giant... Webbed up. Webbed up, cocooned, kept alive. Kill me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's already started the next cycle yeah. of making the eggs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm glad they took that out. I'm glad they took that out too. And it's funny because you don't want to project, you know, because there's heaps of paras- parasitoid wasps that do similar stuff. Yeah. You know, there's a whole species that can only lay their eggs within the living body of other creatures. Yep. You know, like um, 
Paris Hilton. footballers. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Parasitoid wasps will keep spiders and roaches alive. Yeah. You know, and only eat the soft bits, like the legs. <laughs> and keep, like, seriously. <laughs> yeah, no, I like, know. You yeah. know, like, because they're, they're, and then when they're young hatch, yeah. it's like, here you go, you got a meal. Oh, yeah. And they'll just then finally. Put, yeah, they'll finally put the thing out of its misery. You know, and it's very easy to go, that is fucking evil. But it's not. Like, there's no malevolence in the wasp. Yeah. It was, it's just doing what it does. Like, I, I really don't believe that a, a wasp with a brain the size of an atom is there going, yeah. Like it's just doing what evolutionarily works yeah. uh, for that organism. But I don't think it's the same for the alien. No, there is something There's some there's there's a dick shaped brain in that dick shaped skull. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah. Look, it is it is awful. Um <laughs> there's uh something that I only noticed this time. Yeah. Uh I think I realized this on a subconscious level when I first saw it as a kid, yeah. but was only aware of it this time. Sigourney Weaver is quite androgynous yes. all the way through the film. Uh, of course, we're reminded of her femaleness by the rescuing of the cat, which is a motherly action. But uh, we also see her getting changed out of the work clothes that are sexless. And I remember as a kid, it was quite a shock to see how feminine she was underneath, which is a really important yeah. scene. Like at the time, I think. Like, I think maybe in my first readings, I felt like that was gratuitous, but now I actually see it as being important. Yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's vital in that yeah. moment. Yeah, it, especially if you interpret this alien as a malevolent kind of, you know, the more malevolent side of male energy. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a good reminder that she's a woman going up against a big body cock <laughs> having a nap on the escape ship. Uh, it's, and just a great ending. Just a great ending. Great ending. And, then and satisfying. Really satisfying. And then Get she's... Thing out of here. And then you know you look at her at sleep with the cat. Like I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, "Is that cat then gonna?" <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? But did you do you remember if you thought that it was over once she got in that escape pod? Oh, yeah. Uh, because oh, again, again, know. everything I, I, you know about tropes of movies now, like it's clearly not over. Yeah, like sure, there's got to be the denouement with the yeah. with the alien. Yeah, but I wonder, you know, back back then. You know, because they really spend a long time with her yeah. kind of chilling out. And then I guess it's all it's, over. it feels like it's the bookend of the start, which yeah. is very, ah, oh, so now we're going to end in a calm place. Ah, oh, there it is. Yeah, it's still here. Like, Fucking, yeah. Oh, God. What a great film. And and that's a trick that they play a lot throughout the film, the design of the ship's walls looking like alien body parts. There's a lot yeah. of scenes where it's like, fuck, is that? Oh, no, that's not yeah. it. It's- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's got a kind of natural <laughs> camouflage. I tell you what, though, the even though this is my favourite one, I'm suddenly going. Oh, I wouldn't mind watching Aliens. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. It really inspires you to go and check that yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Also, uh, one of the all-time underrated performances by Paul Reiser. Great performance, you know. Yeah. Mad about you? I'm furious. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the great, uh, one of the great puppets of all time, film puppets, oh, that yeah. alien queen. Yeah, yeah. Fucking masterpiece. Yeah, all great. Yep. All right, let's get to the last of the segments. Uh, segment: Who and how? Which character do you think you would be, and how would you react in their place? Oh, th- I, I, I've already forgotten her name. Lambert. Uh, Lambert. That's yep. the one I. Re- that's the one I relate to the most in yep. terms of just that. You know, I'd like to think that. And, and I, I think when I have been confronted with the situations, I actually don't crumble. Yeah. Uh, but I think it would be very different being that isolated. I think that adds a level to it where it's like the, the, the full realisation of your 
uh, helplessness in that situation. Yeah. And I just feel like I would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had that with someone at work recently when I realised, oh, this is only the start of the day. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll save that one for off the uh, mic. I know who you're talking about. Uh, I'd be the space jockey. No matter how much I explain myself, nobody listens and then they interpret me incorrectly. Uh, but at least in this, I'd be dead, so who'd, who'd give a shit? It's like, ah, oh, well, fuck it. I tried to warn you not to come down here, you fucking... Uh, what part of my exploded mummified chest made you think this was I was a telling idea? you. I was telling you from the start. This is how it was going to play out. And you didn't listen to me, but I'm dead. I don't give a shit. I'm a space jockey. Uh, segment zero charisma. What... Ha- uh, who has the least charisma in this? For, oh. for me, it's the face hugger. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. <laughs> it yeah. still creeps me out yeah, after awful. all these years. It's, it's like, awful. It's the fingernails. It's the fingernails. It is it's the fucking awful. fingernails. Like if they were just kind of rods, you'd be like, "Yeah, all right, they're legs." But the fact that it's a hand. Yeah, I've got, I've got, oh. I've got a good squid bit for you about that. So we'll get to that in a sec. Uh, segment uh, better or worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, ruin or improve this movie with one decision. I uh, it's a, it's a very practical thing for me. Look, it's a, it's a fairly flawless movie. There's only two shots of the alien where I'm like, oh, it's a bit on. too much. Uh it's just it's clearly a guy in a suit, and it's like right towards the end. Oh, uh, so you so to I just make, take I just take two shots out of the movie and make the better and, movie better. And, and, well, just to, just to, just to keep that mystery. I think the most you should ever see full front of of the alien is that. Like blinking, you miss oh, it. Yeah. Ah! Yeah. Shot in the vents. Yeah. Uh, there's a shot right at the end where he's got his arms outstretched. Yeah, and he's like coming towards, it and it really looks like you know, right. Grizzly Adams. You know, Plan Nine from Outer Space well, kind of shit. Well, you know what's funny? I think when you f- back in the day when you only saw movies now and again, yeah. you, you don't really remember any of those. Scenes. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, so I think that is a being able to watch it all the time. Yeah, sure. Where, you know, that is that's the only bad thing about loving certain movies is that if over time you you do start to pick out like yeah. it's it's like sometimes if you love a film one of the best things you can do is not watch it for a while that's what i'm like with um spider-man into the spider-verse yeah i've only seen it twice yeah. i i think that is one of the greatest movies of all time yeah and a younger version of me would put it on every couple of months and yeah. i'm like you know what Yep. Every couple of years. Little treat. Get that buzz. Little treat. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, I get that. That's perfect. Uh, I'd uh, I'd ruin the movie by making it G-rated. And <laughs> in the um, in the birthing scene, uh, I'd have E.T.'s finger coming out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Very good. Uh, segment, where are we now? How close are we to the technology in the film? This is from Milken Institute Review in 2021. We're on the cusp of mining on the moon, Mars and asteroids. In 2020, NASA awarded contracts to four companies to extract small amounts of lunar geography by 2024. Jeff Bezos, nice guy, uh, has uh, has envisioned heavy industry moving to space and Earth becoming a residential area considering the vast amounts of resources that are scarce, scarce and valuable back on Earth. There are issues, though, including that since space doesn't belong to anyone, doesn't it? Uh, Traditional methods of resource (laughs) allocation, property rights and trade is difficult to traverse. They also must create a viable industry that will find a way to create huge amounts of energy to return materials to Earth. The United States at this point 
point looks like the front runner with the Artemis program to lead a multinational consortium back to the moon. They have also adopted the world's first space resources law, recognising the property rights of private companies and individuals to materials gathered in space. Luxembourg and the United Arab Emirates are also racing to codify space resource resources laws of their own. China views space resource development as a national priority as part of their strategy to challenge the U.S. economic Mm. and security primacy in space. Russia, Japan, Mm. India and the European Space Agency all harbour space mining ambitions of their own. You know what? Mm. What, Like, the, the suggestion of this segment was a great idea, but apart from that one thing where drones were shooting pellets into the ground, it's a pretty depressing segment, isn't it? Every time you read stuff out, I'm like, you know what? I'm really glad I'm going to be dead in 30 years. <laughs> this is fucking... I don't want to live on this, you know, weird sci-fi dystopia. Yeah. Awful. All right. I called you about this last night. This might be This might be a new segment. I yeah. just came up with this. Maybe, maybe it's a now and again segment sure. if we... Um, but... Uh, and this was inspired that we have seen... The Alien Predator movies. Yeah. Uh, so, if you so this is franchise crossover. <laughs> so, what would you have Alien crossover with? I have I have a a, a, a mildly dumb but interesting one, yeah. and then I have a bonus one for you. I I, I would cross it over with two of our favorite uh, films so oh, far. Well, I wonder if you've so, yeah. Go so on, Alien ET. Great. We have, <laughs> you have pure evil mixed with pure good. Who who, who wins out? So I, does 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 ET's magic finger <laughs> is the only thing that can calm the alien? Yeah, it calms him down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and his heart and his little little yeah. mouth in his mouth starts to glow. Oh. Yeah. Imagine uh, imagine uh, Elliot and ET in in the on the push bike trying to get away from the aliens <laughs> chasing them down the street. Or they combine and suddenly E.T. has a little... Um, has teeth on the end of his fingers. Yeah, little little, little jutting mouth coming out of his... <laughs> or we do E.T. Uh, or we do Alien Thing and we combine oh, these yeah. two absolutely diabolical creatures. Oh, yeah. So it's just pure malevolence but in a shape-shifting form. So, uh, oh, that's actually a that's actually a genuinely fun one. Uh, like the ET one's funny, but the, like imagine imagine the alien dropping onto a person who splutches like a like a drop, yeah, uh, and then is like the thing fighting and the alien tearing at it. Yes, yeah, oh, that be, is cool. like it, it, there'd be so much scope for just hideous uh, practical effects. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's tasty. I wonder who has the rights to all of these things now. Like, oh, it'll be all Disney in ten years. Oh uh, yeah, no, no, that's probably that probably already is. Uh, so I I had uh, two thousand and one versus Alien. <laughs> so it's the, the monolith kickstarts the evolution. So you just see the the baby Alien, and then the, then it's like it's the whole of two thousand one, but they're like on a spaceship. Oh hello, honey, what would you like for your birthday? Oh, you would like a, but it's an alien. <laughs> so they're all. <laughs> Um, how's mummy going? Oh, she's laying some eggs. Oh, okay, fair enough. Um, and then my dumb one was the big chill versus alien, where they all gather to <laughs> say goodbye to their friend, and then suddenly they're attacked by an alien. Um, all right, that seems like a, that, that feels like a franchise crossover. That feels like a fun segment. Uh, and the final segment before we get to the squid bits is sum it up. What does the movie mean to you? Uh, it, it's it is a perfect example of what I love. Uh, look, horror. And I think this is probably more of a... It's not more of a horror movie, but it's definitely... It's, it leans into more of the horror tropes. Oh, it's the haunted house yes. meets Cthulhu on a spaceship. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, and so, like, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of horror in the main, only because most horror sucks. Right. To me, some of my favorite movies are actually horror movies, despite not loving the genre in the main. Because when it really works, it elicits such a visceral reaction from me that I'm I'm usually blown away that something that I know is fake can put me in a state of abject terror like yeah. I'm a child again. Yeah. Uh, and so this to me is the perfect example of what I love in good horror, slow burn dread. Yeah. And, you know, because to me, jump scares is not, that's not horror. That's, you know, you've been shocked or you've been... That's a roller coaster, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's not to say that you can't, you know, this movie has jump scares in it that are very effective. But again, it's because it's been building towards yeah. a thing. Um yeah, I think that the, 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 this is just a great template for effective horror. Yeah, the, and, and and to me, horror is yeah, it's 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 all-consuming dread. Yeah, yeah, this is uh, this is one of my favorite all-time movies, and it just never never disappoints with great. rewatch. Uh, for me, the movie feels more relevant than ever before. A story where we can't trust a faceless corporation as everyday workers are screwed over for a plan <laughs> that barely comp- they barely comprehend. Throw in the fact that these same workers refuse to believe the evidence in front of them, and then a rampant <laughs> disease runs rampant and kills most of the people. Turn that disease into an alien fuck machine, and you conclude that this movie is timeless and also perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I have some squid bits for you, just yes. a few. Uh, the blue glow that permeates the chamber where the eggs are found was achieved by using blue lights borrowed from the Who. Oh. Uh, the band were testing out various lighting effects for their next tour on the soundstage uh, next door to where the to where Alien was being shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of crew members asked if they could borrow the blue lights, and the band complied. So that was cool. Awesome. Uh, uh, an underrated effect in the film. It's great. It's such a... Yeah. Because it's kind of like that blue light is kind of the trigger as well. It's like, oh, time to wake up. Yeah. Little little entree here. Better yeah, get yeah, yeah. The, the first in, best served. Yeah, yeah little, <laughs> little burglar alarm. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, the cat wouldn't hiss at the xenomorph, so they put a darkened screen in front of the cat and then brought in a German shepherd dog. And then to get the right reaction, they revealed the cat and the dog to each other. And the cat went, what the fuck? <laughs> Don't know how Peter would That's feel great. about that. Uh, the chest bursting scene was shot in one take with four cameras. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's interesting. Uh, writer, uh, I think everyone knows that nobody knew that that yes. scene was going to happen as well. Uh, in case you didn't, none of the actors knew. So when you see that reaction, that is them going, <laughs> like, that's them thinking, what's happening to John Hurt? <laughs> <laughs> They're not thinking about the character. I hadn't thought about that before. They're yeah, all yeah, like, yeah. Going, I think one of the actors is dying and you're still filming. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, writer Dan O'Bannon and Ridley Scott were fans of H.R. Geiger's book Necronomicon. 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 And uh, which was full of disturbing sexual imagery. In a 2002 TV documentary, The Alien Saga, O'Bannon said, I'm going to attack the audience. I'm going to attack them sexually. Hmm. Uh, The actor who played the alien is uh, Nigerian actor Balaji Badejo, who is six foot ten. So that's uh, the same height as my friend Brett Wheeler, which actually freaked me out more because now I could actually work out the height of the alien. So when I read that, I was like, oh, God, he's Wheeler's height. Jesus. Uh, There's a novel from 2014 called Alien Out of the Shadows that continues Ripley's story. But uh, 
ash uploaded into the skate pod, and that's why it drifts for so many years. Ah. That's not a bad. Like I'm not going to read it, but I like that as an idea. That is great. Uh, initially, the actors kept fainting on set because the spacesuits were really hot, and they were filming in summer. They had to have a nurse on standby with oxygen for the actors. The crew eventually adjusted the costumes. The inside of ash was made of pasta, caviar, milk, and marbles. Fun fact: Ian Holm hated milk. Oh, that's great. Yeah. What a what a level of commitment. Yeah. Uh what would what's the thing that you hate if they said you had to act covered in it? Oh, like meat. Yeah. I've, I've heard many stories of like people who don't eat meat, actors who don't eat meat be having to eat uh yeah. There's there's, there's the famous episode of Seinfeld where Kenny Roaster's chicken shop opens up opposite Kramer's apartment. Right. And he becomes addicted to the chicken. Right. And there's a shot. There's a scene of him in bed just chowing down on chicken legs and yeah. wings. And he didn't eat meat. Oh, my But he God. was like, you know, big comedy martyr. He's like, oh. I'll do it for the comedy. Oh, man. No wonder he went crazy. <laughs> uh, Dutch customs officials gave HR, HR Geiger grief because they thought his artwork for Alien was actual photographs. His response, <laughs> where on earth did they think I could have photographed my subjects? In hell, perhaps? <laughs> I also have here, or the last night of the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Uh, Geiger's work nearly didn't make the cut because the studio thought his work was too obscene. Yeah. Uh, Ridley Scott said to the studio, are you kidding me? Obscene is good. We're doing an R-rated movie. I want to make you uncomfortable apart from the fact that it's scarier than shit. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. We're making a horror film. This is a bit too scary. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, the face hugger was going to be coloured green. But after Dan O'Bannon saw the natural coloured tone of it on set, yeah. he insist they, insisted they leave it unpainted, yeah. which is a winning move. Yes. Yeah, it would uh, have been not great as green. It's like... Too it, Martian men kind of stuff. Not great. Like, I guess it would have been that dark, wet green. But I just... Anyway, uh, I think it's perfect yeah, the way yeah. it is. Because it's... Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Nostromo was a self-contained set. You could only get in and out by walking all the way through it. Great. So that probably added to the claustrophobia. Yeah. Uh, they nearly filmed a scene where the alien would have examined Ripley's body in a quasi-sex scene and compare it to its <laughs> own body. They didn't film this because they ran out of time. You know what? Like, I'm so happy they didn't film that. Like, it's, I, I, like I, as an idea. It's a great idea. But imagine if, like, so what was, like, was she exactly. not going to notice so and it was going to come up and just kind of have a little... Yuck. A little look, a little sniff. Everything we were just saying about the predatory um, aspect of the alien is confirmed by that. Yeah. Beyond just the imagery. Uh, so I was dying to get to that bit when you were talking oh. about stuff. Uh, the facehugger dissection scene was made with a plastic mould of the creature filled with raw oysters and the tail... <laughs> was an intestine with air pumped through it. Oh. So doesn't that kind of somehow make it worse? Yeah. And my final... Oh. Uh, my final, uh, I've got a nice squid bit to finish on because all of that was so gross. Mm. I've got a Tom Skerritt story. Yeah. So uh, I saw Alien when it played one night at the Astor Theatre and Skerritt came down for it. Awesome. He, uh, this was about seven years ago now, so I reckon at the time he was about 81. Yeah. Uh, 81 or 82. Anyway, he was lively. He was fun. He even jumped the last few steps down and you didn't think in any way that that was a bad idea. He looked like he could do it. You just went, oh my God. But later on in the interview, 
he mentioned he had a young daughter who was about seven and even though nobody in the cinema said anything, you could feel this weirdness roll yeah. through the crowd and I was so weirded out by it and I was like, ah, oh, just kind of like, what? And then uh, I went home and looked it up and it, she was adopted. So I don't oh. like to judge anyone, but that story was heaps better. I heaps better, yes. Tom, if you're listening, like I, I think you're great and I love you so much and you are fantastic in this movie and that is a beautiful story. Point out that your kid is adopted. <laughs> just, just, just so, what a good man. Just so you don't weird us out. Alien. Great. What a great film. And uh, I'm going to go and have a shower with an iron brush. <laughs> Thanks to Ben for helping me break down one of my all-time favourite movies. I still love it so much. It is definitely my favourite. I can completely understand people who prefer Aliens, but uh, for me, it's uh, this film all the way. Uh, we're getting to uh, pretty much the end of Season 5 of Big Squid. Well, we're not, we're not quite there yet, but we're getting close. So keep an eye out for a fan-favourite double episode of Space Podacy coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, it's, uh, it's one that's... Uh, uh, a new classic. It's not that old. It's not that old at all, but already seems to have achieved classic status, and rightfully so, too. Uh, also, thanks to our Patreon subscriber of the episode, Craig. I hope you found enough time in your busy schedule to enjoy this podcast. I'm guessing you probably listen to it in 12-minute dribs and drabs as you drive back and forth from work. <laughs> Uh, if you'd like an episode dedicated to you along with a host of bonus material and podcasts, please head to patreon.com forward slash Justin Hamilton underscore Big Squid and you will find a tier that suits you. I'll be back on Thursday with Dr. Aditi Paul. But until then, let's finish today's podcast with a quote from Ridley Scott. In my view, the only way to see a film remains the way the filmmaker intended – inside a large movie theatre with great sound and pristine picture. Yep. You know how I feel about that. Preach, Ridley, preach! Until then. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 